This morning, we're going to talk about politics. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been quite a year for my generation uh, globally. This has been the most remarkable year of our lifetime. Maybe not for people personally, but globally for sure. On top of all the events of the past year, now we have an election on top of it. So today I'm going to share some thoughts that I've had in texts that might help us think about the times we're in. And I do that knowing full well, too, that many of you maybe have already voted. I kind of just want to share my heart with you this morning. A lot has happened this past year. Our lives have changed in uh, ways we didn't see coming. But there are two things that really stick out to me when I look back at this past year. And they make me sad. Not, uh, not seeing these things necessarily apart, just globally. One is how sharp and harsh some Christians can be with fellow brothers and sisters who think, act, or maybe look differently than they do. The other is the callousness lack of compassion that some Christians can have toward fellow brothers and sisters who are hurting and broken. And I come away from those, and I look into this coming week, and I feel only one thing, just homesick. There's a tremendous feeling that we don't belong in the way that we live right now. There's something wrong, deep. I don't think our hearts were made for or designed for how painful life can be. And I just want to be home with Jesus. I just want peace. I want justice. I want joy for everyone. And that's what we're going to end with today as we look at politics. Andrew's away uh, this weekend. He's helping a friend move out of state. And we talked on whether or not to just continue with the Ten Commandments. Or do we pause and talk about the election and the weeks ahead? And I remember saying it would be a lot easier to just talk about adultery and keep going with the Ten Commandments. And I'd be more comfortable with that. But we thought it would be best to talk about politics and the current temperature of our culture. And I in no way feel any sort of competence to do that. I stand before you as a person who has never had any interest in politics or political issues. But maybe that gives me a good perspective to talk about it. I just want to offer you some thoughts this morning addressing the things that I see that are not helpful at best and outright unfit for any Christian at worst. We're going to start and end in Philippians 3, verse 20. 
So if you want to open there, we're going to read this little text, and we're going to go to a couple more uh, throughout the morning. But we're going to start reading this one, and I want this text to stick in your mind the whole morning. Let it saturate your mind. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our main feeling should be homesick. So we're going to be looking at a few things. I'm kind of going with the Ten Commandment theme. So I have a bunch of do-nots in our current cultural temperature. So here's where we're going to look at. One, do not judge. Two, do not be held captive. Three, do not misplace your hope. And four, do not abandon your momentary home. That's where we're going, and we're going to have several texts that kind of flesh out those ideas. So the first, do not judge. Turn with me to Romans 14, starting verse 13. This is a big passage, but we're going to read through all of it, because it gives us a clear idea of how we are to act when it comes to opinions. Romans 14. Starting in verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. That's an interesting line. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself, for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 
For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul here is talking to the Roman church about a very important issue that they were dealing with. It's something that we deal with, but perhaps not as obviously. Here he's addressing the issue of eating and drinking foods that were sacrificed to idols. But if you go deeper than that surface level, what he's talking about is the effect of acting on different opinions and mindsets amidst a group of believers. There were differing opinions on whether or not to eat food sacrifice to idols. One group thinks this and acts on it. The other group thinks this and acts on it. In seeing how Paul handles this, he gives us great insights on how to live together as a group of believers. So look at what Paul says in verse 14. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Paul says, I know Christ has made everything clean. But if someone's conscience and opinion are still held up on that, it is unclean. Look at what he says next. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Our role is not to say, hey, don't worry about it. Where's your faith? It's clean. Go ahead. Our role is love. If that hurts you, I lay aside my freedoms for the sake of your faith and your conscience. As Christians, we don't have the luxury anymore of saying, well, forget you, I'm going to do what I want. It doesn't work that way. Now, remember, this is believer to believer. We're not talking here about issues of the gospel and foundational truths to our faith. We're just talking about opinions between believer and believer. And that is where we exist. We walk a line. Look at verse 17. He fills in how we are to act. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So what's our target? What is our goal that we should be headed toward? Make sure everyone knows what we think? No. Peace, joy, righteousness, love, and mutual upbuilding. Seeking unity amidst difference is our goal. 
that's our end. When it comes to the realm of opinion and convictions that are not foundations of the, of the faith, you have an obligation to those who think differently than you do. We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And listen, in this realm, when it comes to politics, it's not clear who is the weaker brother. So just default to bearing with them. Upbuild them. Love them. And what's your obligation? It's to please them. <laughs> Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Work to bring about the kingdom in every interaction. Righteousness, peace, and joy. If those aren't the color of your interactions with those around you, something's wrong. Why would a Christian actively seek to create division and separation from another brother or sister based on something as flimsy and momentary as an opinion? I don't get it. Don't split up what Christ paid so much to bring together. So, are you ready? What does this have to do with politics? Here's a couple things. Voting is a unique privilege, and it is not to be taken lightly. Our ability to vote uh, for our leader and have relatively peaceful transitions of power is an incredibly amazing gift and absolutely unique in the history of the world. Think long and hard about our privilege of voting before you decide to just check out and not vote. It is a huge responsibility. Well, now here's the tension. We're, we're all about tensions at park. Because the Christian life isn't a list, it's not a to-do list. It's a lifestyle and a character. So here's the tension. Voting is not an obligation. Do not let people guilt you into voting if you feel like it will violate your conscience. You don't have to. And I say that not because I place a low value on voting, but because I place infinite value on a clear conscience before God. Don't lose that. Next thing. Voting is more complex than a single issue. Healthcare, immigration law, climate change, 
welfare, tax policies, defense policies, foreign policies, national security issues, foreign economics, domestic economics, Federal Reserve policies, foreign trade, peace treaties, diplomatic relations with other countries, corporate America and big business regulations, Supreme Court and legislative issues, state and local governance sovereignty, military decisions and policies. Voting is more complex than a single issue and all of these affect human life in ways we cannot comprehend. If you step back and look at it, it's mind-boggling that they let us have any say whatsoever in who becomes president. There is so much involved, so many issues, so many nuances. Do not judge people based on how they vote or if they vote let alone use it as a diagnostic to decide the sincerity of their faith. Righteousness, peace, joy, and love. Build each other up. That is our pursuit. Do not judge. Next, do not be held captive. Uh, let's turn to Colossians 2, 6 through 10. Do not be held captive. Again, Colossians 2, 6 through 10. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. We are so much bigger than all of this. Our faith, our identity as a group of believers is so much bigger than any of this. There's a, a John Mayer song, older one, from one of his older CDs. The lines of the chorus is, I'm bigger than my body gives me credit for. That's a good way to think about this. We're a part of something way bigger so much bigger than the election, so much bigger than this country that's barely 300 years old. When I was in high school, I went to, on a mission trip to Czech Republic, and we spent a couple days in Prague, and I bought a forgettable trinket out of a gift shop. The building the gift shop was in was twice as old as our country. The building was. As far as civilizations go, this country is still 
kind of a toddler learning how to speak. In him, in a man, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells. Think about that. And you, as a believer, are filled with that. You have been filled in him. I'm not even sure what that means. You have been filled in him, and he is the head of all rule and authority ever. He is everything, and you are in him. <laughs> so don't get distracted. Don't be so easily carried away. Momentary philosophies. That's our category for everything that does not flow from Christ and the gospel. Momentary philosophies. I could, I could make you laugh with some of the anonymous voicemails we've gotten on the church phone during this election season. Momentary philosophies. He is everything, and you are in him. Keep your eye on the ruler. All else comes and goes. Both parties in this election represent the kingdoms of men. Look at both very critically. Neither represents God's kingdom well. Don't be held captive by any of them. Be critical of your own leanings. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to think that you're right? If I, if I was as good at productivity as I was at thinking I'm right, I would have gotten so much done in my life already. Be critical of your own leanings. Here's a helpful way to think about it. Two kind of hot-button words, progressive and conservative, kind of polar ends. Progressive is a person who thinks the best way forward is through change and progress. That's true. Conservative is a person who thinks the best way forward is to hold on to what we already have that's good and conserve it. That's true. We need both. Both are good. We should all have a little bit of both. Know where you lean and be critical of it. Analyze why you think the way that you think. And make sure to look at both sides. Ground your leanings in your hope in Christ. And then build unity with those who are different than you. And be critical of the sources that you take in. I'm amazed at what's being pushed forward as valid information these days. <laughs> there, there is no such thing as a neutral source. 
Everyone has an agenda. Even me. I have an agenda. I am trying to get you to think in a way that I think is more biblical. That's my agenda this morning. Everyone has an agenda. Information in our age has been monetized. So publications and publishers provide what will be bought or clicked on. And then the next week they're on to something else. Don't be held captive by every article you read or every meme you see. Don't fall for everything that you hear. You are filled in him. The man who has all the fullness of deity dwelling in him. Next, do not misplace your hope. This one's the saddest for me. I see so many people putting so much hope in such frail things. We're, gonna go, we're going back to Philippians for this, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, from there, nowhere else, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is a campaign slogan that I can get behind. My citizenship is in heaven. You don't belong here. Do you feel that? You don't belong here, really, actually. You're part of a different kingdom. Your allegiances are not here. Your loyalties are not here. They're not earthly. And I mean that in as practical a way as I can. You don't belong here. You're part of a different country, a different kingdom. It stretches across the world and across history and is not swayed by the coming and going of rulers and kingdoms does not affect it. It may affect your experience, but it does not affect your kingdom. When I look at this past year, when I look at politics, when I look at the um, upcoming election, all I feel is homesick. My heart's deepest desire is to be with Christ. My mind wants to be with Christ, seated at the right hand of God. That's where I want to be. I just want to go home. And that should change everything for you. I belong there. 
And from there, that is where my Savior is. That's where my King is. And that's where my hope is. That's where my allegiances are. Stuff offered here, it's just broken, cheap imitations. Broken people trying their best to bring about a kingdom that they think will work best. And they're very aggressive because they need your vote to do it. What we belong to is a kingdom never ending. <laughs> there was one election, God was the only one who voted. And the king is the perfect man for the job. Oh, how much I want to experience that kingdom to the full. It hurts sometimes. When he comes and when we can be with him, he will transform everything. No more pain, no more sickness. No more injustice, no more racism, no more confusion, no more division. That's what we were made for. And that is why this world can hurt so much sometimes. Are you homesick? Do you feel it? Do not misplace your hope. Jesus' church will thrive and God's kingdom will joyfully carry on no matter what happens. Things may change, your experience in life may change, but your kingdom and its effects on your life will never change. Now again, it's all about tensions. I got to this point and I was going to end it but it, I felt like I might give someone an out to say, oh, well then I can just check out. I don't need to care. I'm part of another kingdom. So the last point, do not abandon your momentary home. You do not, like I said before, you do not have the luxury to say, sorry, my citizenship's another kingdom. and then not care about anything. Our citizenship in heaven should carry with it a tremendous concern. Based out of love and mercy for what is happening in our momentary home. It's my citizenship in that kingdom that gives me the passion to work at engaging the kingdoms here. We need to give people a glimpse of our kingdom. They need to see it. And the only way they can see is if we act. So you have to engage in some way. Do more than just vote. If you really care about the other kingdom, our kingdom, you want to see as much of it here as you can. So engage the issues you're concerned about. 
Voting is the least you should do. Get involved and be a voice for God in those areas. We ought to seek out injustices in every area of life. Abortion, immigration, poverty, racism. Anywhere we see injustice, bring it to light and work toward reform. Bring about better policies and laws. Ending injustice and oppression. These are all opportunities for us to show how our kingdom works. To show the right way to care for people. To love people and to show the heart of our king. If we care about the other kingdom, we will do things here. Because of the pain. It's forever in our minds. And we shouldn't be able to help but act. The last thing I leave you with this morning is to keep your real citizenship forever in front of your mind. The next few weeks are going to be very interesting. And I don't think we... I'll be surprised if we know who's going to be president by the end of this week. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. But remember these things. Don't misplace your hope. Don't judge. Don't be held captive by everything you hear. And do not abandon this momentary home that we exist in. Keep your real citizenship forever in front of your mind. A way that we do this weekly here is through communion. Every week we do it as a way of remembering the kingdom that we belong to and how much it costs for us to be a part of that kingdom. So as we sing this last song, think about these issues Take communion when you feel led, but also in this last time, just pray for this week, the upcoming election. Because remember, whoever is elected is God's elected leader for reasons beyond our knowledge, but they deserve our respect, submission, and prayer constantly. So keep that in mind as we close this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the kingdom you have brought us into. It is so huge, so permanent, that at times we lose sight of it because it's just so big. Lord, help us remember it. Help us live in it. Help, it. help us be affected by it. Let us saturate our minds and our hearts. And out of that, help us to be witnesses to the world. People who bring peace and love and joy and righteousness 
Help us be that people. Help us be citizens of that kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.